And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, JT, with you, with the only car dealer in town, the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Vegas Henderson, to offer 0% for 60 months on the 2020-2021 Elantras. Go down and see Frank and the team. You have the ability to pick up a vehicle, work up the options with a purchase or lease. With different money down, you can submit your credit card, and the Henderson Hyundai Superstore will deliver the vehicle to your home that's how easy it is. It's never been this easy to buy a car. I call it stress-free buying. Buying a new car is as easy as buying an iPhone. Great instant upfront pricing on all vehicles. I'll be down there. I got one son who's bringing a car back to college, so we're going to lose a car here. He's going to bring it. I'm going to have to drive him out at some point to Oklahoma. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. And then the other one's going off, the senior who just graduated high school, but he doesn't get a car in college the first two years. That's the house rule. You go to Tempe, you get an Uber, or you figure it out. Then we'll get cars later on. The Henderson Hyundai Superstore with all the selections. I have a feeling I'm going to be spending a lot of time down there there over the next couple of years. Speaking of next couple of years, my son, uh, he went to the game last night with my wife. They had a blast. And they came home afterwards. They didn't get home. The game started at 7.30. They got home around you know, 10.30, 10.45, my show ended at 10. We had birthday cake and the candles and sang for my son who turned 20, and I wish they won the game. Uh, you know, you, when you go to a Golden Knights game and you haven't been to a Golden Knights game in a year, you want to see a victory because this team always wins. They came up short last night. Very disappointing. The, the loss of last night is one of the reasons, as Jeff Sherman just joined us and told us, that this team is not a cup favorite. It, there's just always a problem with the Golden Knights. The San Jose Sharks on the four-minute major power play. There's always a problem with them. It's never easy. Now, But it's been very easy because hockey fans know that we've been spoiled out here for four-plus years to have an expansion team, an inaugural expansion team that's in the playoffs every year, sold out when there isn't coronavirus, and a team that wins most of their games at home. But when they lose, man, it is gut-wrenching. And remember... The plan was to flip-flop Flurry and Leonard, go back and forth, back and forth, so they'd both be fresh. I'm not a hockey goalie, but Flurry's been through a lot the first four games of the series. And now five games, now going back to Minneapolis. Robin Leonard is fresh. Robin Leonard hasn't played. He is ready. He's an elite goalie. He's the goalie of the future. What do you do? I mean, Peter DeBoer wants to get out of the first round. And I think that most people believe Marc-Andre Fleury is the best way to get out of the first round. But a lot of people also understand that you got to commit to Robin Leonard. you got to commit to this guy. He's supposed to be playing games. The difference is the Golden Knights have two goaltenders. Most teams just have one. When will Leonard play? Would you let Leonard play game six, hoping that Fleury's ready at home for game seven, or just ride the rest of the way with Marc-Andre Fleury, the flower? like to hear from a hockey fan or two. Again, I think we do better hockey than anyone in town because of the guests we get and the quality of content we give you. And it's playoff time, so let's get into the Golden Knights at 702-365-9200. I'll get into Aaron Rodgers coming up, and also we'll preview the NBA with Ian Bagley, who's going to join us. If you want to get through, best time is now before the interviews. 
later on this hour at 702-365-9200. Raider 66 right here in Vegas. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, you're welcome, JT. Thanks for taking my call. Thank and, you. Uh, and, a, and a belated uh, happy birthday to your son. Thank you. Um, i just like to talk about the upcoming season. I uh, really love your passion for the team and being associated with it for 20 years. That's great. And thank you for the interviews like you just had with Van Malkeroy. I got I had his poster when I was a kid, the one no passing poster yeah. with him and Mike Davis, who's now gone. But uh, there's something coming up this year, and I know you're in a unique position to maybe help this along. I don't know what the plans for the Raiders are with the games, but this year is the 45th anniversary of their 1976 Super Bowl championship team. Mm-hmm. I would love it if they would do something for the team Maybe get uh, maybe a, make it like a dry run for the the, uh, the Pro Bowl that they got coming up and the draft that they got coming up. Have a, a fan fest or something where the the fans could get maybe some autographs of these guys. Uh, maybe uh, you know have a, a the Las Vegas uh, City Council people can have a night uh, for them, a dinner or something like that. And then maybe at the stadium, the game day of the game, give away jerseys with the numbers of some of these great players. That team was voted about ten years ago. Uh, NFL.com had a had a, a contest. They were voted the greatest team ever. They were 13 and one, and they had something that doesn't happen anymore. The only game they lost was the middle of a five-game road trip. It was game number three, five games. It was against uh, New England Patriots. They were 13 and one. They had uh, no less than eight. Well, if Cliff Branch makes it, no less than eight Hall of Famers on that team. Plus. You had uh, John Madden Hall of Fame. Now you got Tom Flores Hall of Fame. He was a wide receivers coach. Uh, Ron Wolf, mm-hmm. who wasn't with the team in '76, but he assembled most of the team there, Hall of Fame, and of course Al Davis. So that was a fantastic team, and a lot, a lot of them are gone now. It would be so fantastic for Vegas, this new uh, place that the Raiders call home, if they could celebrate such a special team. Wow, that's a great phone call. Really appreciate it. And I don't know what the Raiders have in store on game day this year, but I know what's in the works is there's a lot going on with Charles Woodson, Tom Flores with Canton in the Hall of Fame, and I know what Mark Davis feels about the alumni on this team. When I was with Mike Mayock last night, he brought it up to the club uh, PSL holders that he's been in every building around the league. He played in this league. He knows everybody in this league, Mike Mayock, and he's never seen an owner more committed to the alumni than Mark Davis. And that's because of Al Davis and Mrs. Davis and their commitment to their former players. And other teams now are doing the same thing. Look, the Steelers do a great job. The Patriots have the Patriots Hall of Fame. But they don't have as many great players as the Raiders had. And I've always believed, I stay in my lane. I'm not involved in these decisions here. But the Raiders have a great opportunity to pay tribute to their alumni now inside Allegiant Stadium whenever they want. Home games, national games, and I think they will. I don't know what they're exactly going to do, but Mark Davis has, I think, the blueprint in front of him to make the Raider game day experience, when it comes to an alumni perspective, the best in all of football. There'll be more alumni at Raider games than any other team. Mark my word, there will be more Raider alumni at Las Vegas Raider games than any team in the NFL has with their alumni on a consistent basis. You know, Some teams will have, you know, the 72 Dolphins will come back, and they'll bring back you know, the 85 Bears. They'll do certain things. Every team does that, and they bring back their alumni, but they don't do it as often as the Raiders. And that was a very good phone call. And to see some of the players passing away now, the most recent one, Mike Davis, is really tough because we had Van on earlier, 
And Vance spoke at the memorial, and it was a really a moving speech he gave about his teammate. I was really honored to be in the room when he spoke about Mike Davis and the impact that he had on the organization and the way Mark Davis spoke to the family of Mike Davis and comforted them in a very difficult time for that family as they're grieving was pretty impressive. 702-365-9200 if you're talking Raider football, Golden Knights hockey, and Aaron Rodgers trade news coming up here on the other side. Madro in Vegas. What's happening, man? Thanks for calling. Hey, JT. I actually just have a comment on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could be wrong about this, but honestly, if he would wind up going to Denver, it honestly doesn't bother me at all, in fact, the way I look at it. Because I, I look more long-term, just like our team is doing. You know, we're building for the future, and the future should be th- this year. But Aaron Rodgers, wherever he goes, it's gonna, the team's going to have to give up a... All right. I think we lost you because you can't use profanity on AM radio. So I think we lost you for that reason. Yep, my Bobby got him. So we do it there. Again, try to clean up your language. It's not hard to do it. I talk more hours than anyone in all the radio every day. Five hours without a co-host, and I don't use any profanity. So you could do that on your sports phone call. When it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I'd be nervous as hell if I was, you know, if you want to look at it honestly, and we're always honest, Aaron Rodgers is the second best quarterback in football behind Patrick Mahomes. And if he goes to Denver, Denver is going to be favored to beat the Raiders. Now I don't think that Denver can beat the Raiders with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. I really don't. I think the Raiders have improved on defense. I think they've improved enough on defense and their offense is explosive enough. I mean, the Raiders' defense last year was awful. Come on, come on. They were awful and they beat Kansas City in Kansas City and almost beat them twice if it wasn't for a breakdown on Travis Kelsey. The defense is vastly improved with Yannick Ngakwe and Casey Hayward and Trayvon Morig. So those three players were added. How many new players did you want to add on defense? Honestly, call me. If you would have told me, JT, we're adding three new starters on defense, I would have said, whoa, 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 wait a second. We're still keeping Mad Max? Yeah. Cleveland Farrell? Yeah. We're still going to have the three linebackers? I would have liked the upgrade at linebacker. I wanted a stud starting linebacker over Leatherwood. They ended up getting Leatherwood. I understand why. Mike Mayock explained that again last night. They signed him yesterday. I would have loved a sideline-to-sideline middle linebacker. They didn't get it. But they brought in two new safeties and another corner that can play. So if the Raiders did not get Yannick Ngakwe and Casey Hayward, there'd be nothing to talk about. You'd be talking about the same defense, players that are struggling, and a new head coach in Gus Bradley. Now Gus has got two new players that played for him. And Ngakwe in Jacksonville and Hayward with the Chargers. If that doesn't stabilize this defense, I don't know what will. I really don't. Now, if you can get another free agent corner – to go along the opposite side of Casey Hayward, then how are you going to develop Arnett and Mullen if you bail on those guys and go get a veteran corner? If you want to go get another strong safety, you want to bail on Jonathan Abram? As critical as I've been on John Abram, I don't want to get rid of him. I say you throw him out there again and see if he can play. But I'd give him one more year. This is the year that John Abram has one more year. Prove that you can play and stay healthy in the NFL and not be a liability. If that's the case... Then, you, then you're with the Raiders as long as you want. But it's go time. Gus Bradley and Mike Mayock and John Gruden have 
new players to press the old players. And I think that hopefully it will be a successful formula. It has to be, but more Raider fans seem more interested in complaining about the players that aren't doing well instead of saying, well, give those guys another year and let's see what the backups can do. I can't get that through to Raider fans now. Raider fans, in my mind, have never been this triggered and upset about a unit than they are about the Raider defense. Over the years when the Raiders weren't winning, they struggled. You know, they didn't have a quarterback. They were trying to find a quarterback. They were trying to improve different units, offense, defense, special teams. This is the most frustrated in my 22 years, now going on 23, I've ever seen the Raider Nation on this defense. You bring in new players, and it doesn't satisfy some of the fans. doesn't. You bring in a new edge rusher, a new a really good two-time Pro Bowl corner, and everybody's having a struggle trying to figure it out. Marty in Vegas, thanks for holding. What's up, Marty? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I, uh, you know, I listened to the Aaron Rodgers interview, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a little confused at what his point was. Yeah. He mentioned that you know he thought the them drafting the quarterback, the young kid, he was like, I really liked him. Uh, So it's not about that. It's not about coaching. It's not about my teammates. Uh, It must be about ownership. And I don't know. I mean, when you've played for a team for 16 years and you've gotten paid by the ownership pretty well for 16 years, I don't see what his issue is, and I don't think – did you find in yes. that conversation that he had, did you – could you feel what the real yes. main issue was? Yes, what thanks was? for the call. I'll get to that next. I'm going to do a deep dive on it coming up next. I think it comes down to his ego, his ego, and adding – I've never seen an MVP in any sport, any major sport, win the MVP and be more upset at the organization. I challenge anyone – to go back in sports history and tell me about an MVP who was more disgruntled and had a bigger ego than Aaron Rodgers. I challenge anybody. I don't think you could come up with it. So winning the MVP just added kerosene to the fire. He was already pissed off that the team drafted Jordan Love. And then he won the MVP instead of saying, man, I'm cool, relax. I'm the MVP. He got more upset because he looked back and said, oh, by the way, you drafted this kid at quarterback, and I go win the MVP, so it got him more angry. I've never heard of it. Never heard of anybody doing that. It's because he has a massive ego, and he deserves to have that massive ego. He's a great player. He's the best player in the league. He's the reigning MVP. You don't get that. You don't get to that point with, without a massive ego, and boy, does he have one. That interview was really interesting. I'll dive into that next. 211, Steel Reserve, Raider Nation Radio. Hey, what's up, JT? Hey, to touch on uh, what you were saying about the three starters that we got on defense and who else would you want on there, look, I was all about let's go get so-and-so, and it all was, you know, it, it kicked off in free agency. When the dust settled, not because I'm a Raider fan, you know, we always get hyped up over our players. I genuinely feel good about these guys that we brought in. I genuinely feel good about this uh, draft class that came in and uh, making situations uncomfortable for the players that need to step up. They were, you know, they weren't pulling their weight. But uh, I'm juiced. I, I what I really like about Ndokwe, I'm gonna tell you right now, JT, is we've always had these eight free agents that we bring in, right? We players we bring in. Al had to overpay for there for a while. 
come here and then wouldn't perform. But Ndokwe sitting there saying that he was getting here, like you were calling, you were telling, letting us know that it's going to come. But for him to say that he was actually trying, he was eyeballing us, wanted to be here, wants to be a Raider, hey, for me that's huge. After all the years that we've had these players in free agency come in and just cash a check and then take off, but to me that's huge and I'm juiced, JT. I, I think uh, I think we got our guys, and I think this defense with Gus Bradley and this scheme, I think it's going to be night and day, brother. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Look, I, I knew, I felt that the Raiders were going to get Ngakwe before I was tipped off that they were going to get him. I got that one right. I really thought that Ngakwe was going to be the prize defensive player on the edge that they could get. And that's the player I wanted the whole time, more than Melvin Ingram. That was the player that I wanted, who I think could have the biggest impact on the opposite side of Mad Max. Oh, one other thing that Mike Mayock talked about with Mad Max, he really praised him because he played through injury last year. He played with one arm, and he played too many snaps. So I'm, I'm more into Mad Max as a football player than I am Cleveland Farrell. I think Cleveland Farrell, and Vinny, Vinny Bonsignor and I disagree on that, and I really respect Vinny's opinion, as you know. But I think Max Crosby has outperformed Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell's a more highly valued pick because he was fourth overall. I think Crosby's been the better player. So I'm more on the Mad Max train than I am than Clee Farrell, but I want Clee to do great. But I think he's got more to prove than Mad Max. And Ngakwe is going to take up some snaps. And there's going to be some interior rushers that are going to be on the field if the other guys aren't getting it done. So I'm excited about the roster more than I thought I'd be because of Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, and the most important addition, Gus Bradley, to line him up properly. When we come back, my opinion on Aaron Rodgers, that was the biggest story on my show late last night. But I wrapped up the show before it got big. And now we're back again to talking about a potential player. Potential player. There's three guys available that should interest everybody in Vegas. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Julio Jones. They're all not good. They're great. JT The Brick Show brought to you by Salmon Ash. That is SalmonAshLaw.com. Give them a call. 702-820-1234. Should be your first call after you get safe after an accident. I'll just say this, you know, first of all, I'm not going to get into contract specifics, but Aaron's our guy. Um, he's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. We're excited about, you know, kind of the things we're going to try to accomplish here over the next couple of years. So um, we certainly think that, um, you know, with the contract that you're kind of talking about, it's something we'll work through. We're going to have to do probably a few things with different contracts as we, as we head towards the season and through the season to make sure that our salary cap situation, not only this year, uh, but in 2022 um, is square. So um, we're not done yet. We've done a lot to get here. Uh, we've kind of been doing things as we go, and we will continue to do that as we go. JT, good to have you back as we continue here on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Modelo. Man, when you head out to the Raiders Tavern and Grill and you go to the Modelo bar in the front, you can get a Pacifico like I do, a Corona Premier draft, or you can get the new Corona Hard Black Berry Lime Seltzer in the iconic Corona bottle. Love it. Love it. Big part of when I'm in the backyard and do the backyard brick. We appreciate Modelo as they are a premier sponsor of our show as we continue on. So the Aaron Rodgers story, being on the radio last night, I knew it would be big today. And we were waiting up last night with the Golden Knights game starting late. I'm on from 7 to 10 p.m. at night. The game started at 730 
My wife and son were at the game. It was my son's birthday. I was really locked into the Golden Knights. But then I was looking at my computers and my phone, and Kenny Mayne was doing his last Sports Center show. And he had Aaron Rodgers as one of his guests, including several more Marshawn Lynch. So I wanted to make sure that I watched that, and it was big. Aaron Rodgers was big. From Hawaii, chilling, kicking back after a detox. He looked very Hawaiian, very chill. But I knew he would say something. Knew he would say something that would drive the radio shows today. All day across the country, not just from Green Bay, but in all NFL cities. Because Aaron Rodgers made it clear that he wants out of Green Bay. Here's a portion of SportsCenter last night, Kenny Mayne's last show, Aaron Rodgers' appearance. And listen closely to one of the sound bites when he talks about his MVP throwing a wrench into the discussion. Here it is. It never been about the draft pick, uh, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. Um, you know, he, he a lot of fun to, to work together. Uh, I love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. You know, I love the fan base in Green Bay. It's incredible, incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a, a, a philosophy, uh, you know, and and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. And a lot of this was put in motion last year, and uh, the wrench was just kind of thrown into it when I won MVP and played uh, the way I played last year. So this is just kind of, I think, uh, the, the spill out of all that. But, look, man, it is about the people, and that's the most important thing. Green Bay has always been about the people, from Curly Lambeau uh, being owner and founder to the 60s with Lombardi and Bart Starr and all those incredible names, to the 90s teams with – Coach Holmgren and Farvey and the Minister of Defense to the, the run that we've been on. It's about it's about the people. That is really a fascinating soundbite, and there's a lot of meat on the bone. So let's talk about a couple of things. First off, he wants out. He hasn't changed his mind. He wants out because of the GM and the management of the Green Bay Packers that don't have a traditional owner like Mark Davis or Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, David Tepper with Carolina. He's dealing with Mark Murphy, and he's dealing with the general manager, who by nowhere is his boss. He's not his boss at all, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers. But Brian Gutenkunst is a guy that he despises because he was part of the regime that drafted Jordan Love and traded up to get him in the first round a couple of years ago. That's where this relationship and this divorce happened. That, that's when it happened on draft day, the virtual draft that we were supposed to have in Vegas and Jordan Love ended up going to the Packers because they didn't let Aaron Rodgers know about it. They didn't let him know about it, and they should have given him a heads up. Okay, we get that. Then Jordan Love comes in. He's not going to play because Aaron Rodgers is still under contract for a couple of years. Aaron Rodgers goes out this past year and wins the MVP. And Aaron Rodgers wants to control his exit from the Green Bay Packers. And a lot of people want to – back in the day, people would want to control their exit from a movie – production company you know mgm or one of the companies you couldn't do it if you're under contract you couldn't get out of your contract in sports in baseball before kurt flood andy messersmith go back and google these names you couldn't get out of your baseball contract james harden was able to get out of his contract with the houston racket the rockets by putting on 15 pounds of fat and not working out and they said look he's going to be a nightmare let's move him and they moved him to a better team The problem with Rodgers is his ego is so immense and out of control that no one can stop it. We know this about Aaron Rodgers. He didn't talk to his family. 
He was seriously dating Danica Patrick, Olivia Munn. Now he has a new fiancé in Hollywood. So what he's doing is he's showing you with his behavior that his ego is so immense. And look, whoever you date, you date. But he's going down a road where he wants to date celebrities, correct? You know, Tom Brady decided to marry a Brazilian swimsuit model. Aaron Rodgers can do the same thing. He can go to Brazil, find a swimsuit model you never heard of who works at Victoria's Secret and marry her. But he always chases celebrity. He went on Jeopardy as a fill-in host. He was fabulous. He was fabulous. It inflated his ego. Why did he go on Kenny Mayne's last show last night? It inflated his ego. It was Kenny Mayne's last show. Aaron Rodgers knew there'd be a big audience there. He was comfortable and had a good relationship with Kenny Mayne, so he used that platform. Where I work at SiriusXM, he goes on with Pat McAfee, who's in our lineup because he's comfortable with former football punter Pat McAfee, and he knows that that's a big platform too. So everything with Aaron Rodgers is calculated. And I respect the fact that he wants to be in control of his life. But remember, there was a time where Aaron Rodgers signed that contract extension, and Aaron Rodgers gave up control of his exit strategy because he works for the Green Bay Packers. He's an employee of the Green Bay Packers. You can't sign a contract and then all of a sudden change it because you're pissed off that the team drafted a quarterback. So for Aaron Rodgers, what he wants to see happen now is one of two things. He wants the GM, Brian Guttenkunst, to be fired, which you could fire him. Don't think that the Packers haven't had private meetings and talked about it without the GM in the room, that if we fire the GM and go back to Aaron Rodgers and trade Jordan Love or tell Jordan Love, and I'll get to that in a second, that he's not going to play for a couple more years, this could all be fixed. But we don't know if it'll all be fixed because Aaron Rodgers' ego is too intense to guarantee anything. We don't know what he wants to do with women, his family. We don't know what he wants to do when he signs a contract. He wants to be a flip-flopper who's in control when he wants to be in control. So after dissecting that soundbite last night for an hour while I was wrapping up my night show, and then I woke up this morning and everybody was debating about it, what a surprise. The soundbite that I thought was most important when he talked about the MVP throwing a wrench into the situation, and I started thinking, name a time in the history of sports where someone won the most prestigious award, individual award, the MVP, and that was negative. Follow me. Imagine winning the MVP award and then being so upset and so disgruntled with your team that you use the MVP award as leverage to break your relationship with the team. Tell me when that's happened. There's guys on the radio older than me and younger than me. When have you ever heard anybody say, quote, and after I won the MVP, it threw a wrench into the discussion? I find that amazing. And that is evidence that Aaron Rodgers has a massive ego. And he's going to end up with another team most likely. But now it's a game of chicken between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers loses a half a million dollars in a workout bonus, doesn't care about it. He could make that up in one 30-second State Farm commercial, and that gets recurring income for the rest of his life, or as long as that's on TV. He's not worried about the money now. He's worried about his brand. His brand is so important to him now that he wants to control how he's going to leave Green Bay, and he's not in control of it. So do you understand that's what this is all about? is that Aaron Rodgers was pissed off that they drafted a quarterback in Jordan Love. They didn't tell him. Jordan, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers went out and won the MVP award, and the team didn't commit to him. 
till even after that. So he said, wait a second, you have the balls to take the quarterback without letting me know? Then I get you to the NFC Championship game. You don't want to commit for me for another year. I'm out of here. And I understand that. And I see both sides of the story. But someone like me needs to remind everybody that this guy's an egomaniac. He's a diva currently right now. And he could end up being the quarterback of the Raiders. He could be the quarterback of Denver. There's a chance he could be the quarterback of a number of different teams because the scenario is going to play out that he's going to force Green Bay to do one of two things. He's going to force Green Bay to trade him at the last possible moment. And that's the way Green Bay can really screw him. Green Bay could wait to the preseason where Aaron Rodgers didn't have enough time to work out with this new team and get any chemistry with this new team. And then Green Bay would still get a lot in return and trade for him. And Aaron Rodgers would go to a new team, whoever that is. So let's say it's Denver. He's not going to have enough time to get in that playbook and be great. Not at an MVP level. Of course, Denver would be improved, but he won't have that year. And Green Bay has the leverage to hold him back from doing that deal. And then the other side of the equation is they can give him more power. Can you give me an example where an egomaniac has been given more power and that's worked out? Usually that doesn't happen in rock and roll, doesn't happen in entertainment. It definitely doesn't happen in politics where you give an egomaniac more power and then things stabilize. It just feeds the ego. So for Aaron Rodgers, I think this is one of the biggest stories that we're going to have all summer long. No one knows how it's going to end. But what happened last night is he doubled down on SportsCenter and told everybody how he felt. And I thought it was a really good interview. I believe that he rehearsed it. Him and Kenny Mayne are friends. He knew that Kenny Mayne was going to ask him those questions. It was lighthearted. It was fun. They went back and forth. They had a good time. But Kenny Mayne knew, and Aaron Rodgers knew, that that question was coming. And Aaron Rodgers, in the answer, says he loves Jordan Love. He loves his teammates. Loves. Loves his coaching staff. Man, he used the word love a whole bunch of different times. But he didn't say that about his GM. And he didn't say that about the president of the club because he doesn't like those guys anymore. I don't know if he despises them or hates them or whatever the level is, but he doesn't want to work with them anymore. And he thinks the culture is ruined. Wouldn't you like to have that type of culture in Green Bay, no matter where you're listening as an NFL fan, where you got the reigning MVP and you went to the championship game and everybody's coming back? But now the quarterback might not. Let's not forget the Packers were 13-3 and and hosted the NFC Championship. That's incredible. And you know what's more important to Rodgers than that? The fact that the GM admitted that he should have communicated better with Rodgers before he traded up to take Jordan Love in the 2020 draft. The ego is so big for Aaron Rodgers that he can't look at the GM Brian Goodenkunst and say, you know, Brian, you really screwed up here. You really screwed this up. You never should have drafted a quarterback. You should have drafted me, a wide receiver, to help us win a Super Bowl. And I'm not going to forgive you. It really is all about forgiveness. I'll wrap it up with this. Pete Rose. I always go back and forth with fans about Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Should he be in? And the people that don't want to move off their rock and they never want to let Pete in, I go, well, it's about forgiveness. I know that I know why Pete's not in the hall. I know that he gambled as a manager. But will you forgive him for doing that after 30 plus years and give him an opportunity to tie up the rest of his life as a good guy who's made a lot of mistakes, but he's looking for this chapter in his life at the end of his life. People won't forgive. Aaron Rodgers won't forgive. 
the Green Bay Packers brass for doing that. Would you want to bring in a player like that to an organization who wants that much control? I don't think Denver has a problem with it at all. Denver knows they'll be a 12-5 and team if they bring them in. Denver knows they're a Super Bowl contender. But let it be clear after last night, that was a calculated interview with Aaron Rodgers and Kenny Mayne to keep this train and discussion going forward, which I'm enjoying. I think it's a really good conversation. And I'm real nervous about it because I think he's going to end up in Denver. And if he ends up in Denver, that's going to be a real big problem for the Raiders, period. Period, no spin at all. I often talked about the Raider blockade. If he becomes available, would the Raiders have to get Rodgers, not because they don't like Carr. You know what I think of Carr. You know I'm a big believer in Carr. I've said it a million times, literally. And it comes down to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is the biggest game changer in football other than Patrick Mahomes. If you don't block the move to Denver, then you're staring at Mahomes and Rodgers for at least three more seasons as Rodgers is 37 years old and he will play the next three years at a very high level, MVP or right there level, and probably give fits to the silver and black. But hey, Raider fans, you'll get a chance to see him play every year. That'll be a hot ticket. And you can scalp that ticket like some people. That's all they care about. JT, where can I sell my ticket? Really? If you're a Raider fan, don't sell your tickets. Go to the game. Go to the game or give the tickets or sell them at face value to your friends who are Raider fans and want to go to the game. I don't find it appealing knowing that if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, that the price of the Denver Bronco ticket is going to go up. I'm very aware of the math. Aaron Rodgers will change the marketplace if he comes to the AFC West, and I'm very concerned about it. And last night proved that he's leaving. Last night proved to me again that he has no interest in going back to the Green Bay Packers. That was brought to you by MeetupVegas.com. We've been talking about it. I got my good friend Tony Cambo from the Fillmore in San Francisco staying at my house for a couple of days. And we got a bunch of meat defrosting because we're going to grill out outside with restaurant-quality meat because every six weeks or so, I get a big delivery to my house from meetupvegas.com, code word JTBrick, and it's burgers, and it's chickens, and it's T-bones, and it's fillets, and I'm always able to take them out of the freezer, defrost them, and prepare an unbelievable barbecue. I will never go back to the butcher or grocery store as long as I'm dealing with meetupvegas.com. I got the code word, JTBrick, and I got the hookup for you. All of our partners on this show, who I talk about all the time, It's all for the hookup. I like hooking people up. I like giving people deals. And hopefully we can do that with your company as we continue. JT, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Rebound, scramble underneath. Suns have come up with a basketball. Get it out to Booker. Booker on the drive. Booker to the rim. Booker jams it. And that Devin Booker's a hell of a player. And the Lakers better figure him out quick. Better figure him out quick. Or they are in deep trouble as they played tonight. Same time as the Clippers. And a lot of L.A. fans can't understand that. Why would you put the two teams on at the same time in the number two media market? It's going to be all Lakers. Lakers are desperate. And we get an opportunity to talk to one of the premier NBA insiders in the country from SNY. Covers the Knicks and the Nets and the league nationally. Ian Begley, kind enough to join us. And Ian, good to talk to you again. That emotion in the city, New York City, 
as the Knicks, as they didn't play in front of full capacity, but it was close. It sure felt amazing. How was it? It just felt like a, a relief, like a holiday almost. Uh, the idea that you can gather that many people and indoors and be together and have a shared experience. It really just felt like, um, you know, the, the light at the end of a, a very dark and long tunnel. And so just thrilled for the city um, that this is able to happen. And obviously, you know, for a long time, Nick fans like yourself who have been paying attention and invested over the last two decades and there's been a lot of losing, a lot of uh, embarrassing on and off the court issues. And here you are, 2021, no one expected you to make the playoffs. You're in the playoffs, you're the four seed. So uh, I feel feel really happy for long-time Knicks fans like yourself, JT. It's a really big deal because for you, you have a lot of sources. And when you're trying to get sources from De- James Dolan and inside the organization and Governor Cuomo and what's happening with the mayor and CDC guidelines. What was it like for you over the last six or seven months trying to figure out what limitations were going to be with fans and attendance, when the number was going to change? Because when I watched the game, it felt like finally everybody was on the same page in Manhattan saying, let them in. Right, right. And, yeah, it was just so much uncertainty uh, poking around. Uh, you know, I'm an NBA reporter, but you had to check in with local government state government and just kind of gauge uh, which way the wind was blowing. And, you know, there were so many different uh, agendas depending on who you were talking to and different opinions and, you know, such a complex issue. And so to be able to get to this point, uh, I'm actually surprised that it got to this point as quickly as it did. You know, it didn't seem like as of, you know, six months ago or so we would be here now, uh, but obviously – uh, as somebody who loves basketball, loves the NBA, loves sports in New York City, I'm very happy that we are. And Begley is our guest. So one more thing on the game, the loss for the Knicks. I really thought that the moment was too big for Julius Randle at that point. I just thought he was uncomfortable. The lights were bright. He wasn't flowing. He just wasn't playing the way I watched him play all year long. And I expect him to bounce back. He's an MVP candidate, in my opinion. I believe because... You know, Embiid only played 51 games. That Randall should have been that third name in the discussion with Steph and Jokic. What do you expect from him in this game, too, here? Because the pressure of New York City is on his shoulders. Here's something that I thought was interesting, JT. And certainly, you know, much different stage. Not really an apples-to-apples comparison. But Julius had a few days away from the season when he went down to all-star weekend and participated in the game and, and the skills competition. Um, but he was away from the daily grind of basketball. And the game that he came back, first game after the all-star break, he was bad. And afterward, he said, usually after the break, I don't play well. I don't know why, um, but I don't play well. And so now he had this week off between the end of the regular season and game one, and he didn't play well. I, the only reason I bring that up is maybe the, the layoff for Randall getting out of the game practice, game practice rhythm, getting uh, him off. And, and that's not an excuse. I'm not making an excuse mm-hmm. for him. But I would expect him to bounce back given the body of work that he put together this season. Uh, you know, he was shooting shots on Sunday that he shot all season and made all season. And I don't know if he credited Atlanta. I don't know if, if the stage was, was – too big for Julius. I have no idea, but uh, you know those were shots that he take he took and made all year long. So 
I would expect him to bounce back. I would expect him to be the Randall that he's been all year and game two on Wednesday. Ian Begley is our guest. We'll get to everything that he does. Now I want to talk about the Nets in Brooklyn and the culture of that team and the way they built this team once they got Harden to come over and Kyrie. I thought when AWOL for seven games, they only ended up uh, finding him for two. I had a really bad taste in my mouth on a national radio show this year because they were very unlikable the way this team was built, and they didn't have that national feel the way the Lakers and the Celtics did in the 80s, Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. What's it like covering this team? Because nationally, they're not well-liked. Well, JT, I'll be honest with you, man. A lot of my day-to-day is more focused on the Knicks than the mm-hmm. Nets if I if, if both teams have something going on. Because locally, and you know this, the this is a Nick town. And it's, you know, that's just the way it is because it's a generational thing. Um, but, it, you know, I have spent some time covering the Nets. Uh, obviously, I pay attention to them every day. But just being over there and covering them, I think Steve Nash has done a great job just navigating some choppy waters over the course of the season. You mentioned the Kyrie Irving, you know, being away from the team. The Nets were not happy with how that situation was communicated from Irving. And you mentioned the James Harden trade. I mean, this is a major trade shaking up a roster uh, in the middle of a season. And this is a coach in Nash who he's in his first NBA season as head coach. So I thought – he did a really good job just kind of navigating all the, the landmines and the minefields. And so I give him a lot of credit. And now James Harden came in and he was a distributor off the bat. Kyrie Irving told James Harden, hey, you're the point guard. I'll be the shooting guard. And so those those events, too, I think were significant for the Nets. When you talk about culture because it seems like all these guys are bought in and they're not trying to get in each other's way. They have a common goal. Now, are they going to be good enough to get out of the East? Are they going to be good enough to compete with the uh, Western Conference champion in a final if we get there? I don't know. But it, it, nothing nothing has really gotten in the way of them uh, developing uh, over the course of the season in, in a healthy way. Ian Begley joins us, host of SNY's weekly digital show, The Putback, where he covers the Knicks and Nets throughout the NBA season and postseason, talking with players, coaches, agents, and celebrity fans. A good way to wrap this up in a few moments is the celebrity fans. What do you like about the culture of Brooklyn and the Nets? As I always believe, you should copy the culture of the Knicks, want to win more. The Knicks have struggled a long time, but it reminds me of the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants have won three World Series, brand-new ballpark, and the A's haven't won in a long time, and they're playing in a football stadium and thinking of moving. It's right in front of the Nets if they want to compete against the team in their market to be successful and peel off some of their fans with celebrities and doing it a different way. Are you seeing that culture? Are they copying anything or looking at the way the Knicks built the brand? I think they're doing their own thing, JT. I okay. really do. I'm, I don't see it uh, them as copying what the Knicks have done. I mean, certainly they court celebrities, and they want the celebrities at their games, and they want to have it be known that Celebrity X is loyal to the Nets and, and over the Knicks. So I think that is one area, 100% right, where they have uh, you know, taken something that the Knicks have done and tried to bring it to Brooklyn. But by and large, you know, they, I think the, the focus over there is long-term. Because I think just based on the conversations I've had with people, they understand that they're not going to, you know, poach 30% of the NBA fans in New York or the Knicks fans in New York if they win a title this year or if they win if they win back-to-back titles. I think it's a longer-term thing where, uh, you know, the, the net fan today is a young kid and he stays in the area and he 
you know, has a family, and then he passes his net fandom down a generation, and that's when you start to make inroads. I think if you're the Nets, I don't think anyone over there is under the illusion that you're going to, you know, get a big chunk of, uh, of basketball fans locally this year. And they, you know, from that's like a business perspective. But you know, Sean Marks and Steve Nash and those guys, I don't think they care at all about the breakdown of fans in the city and and, and, and you know eyeballs on them versus the Knicks. They just want to win. But certainly that's a goal organization-wide is, is to build out the fan base uh, much more than it is at the moment. Last one. The Lakers look like they're in trouble. If they drop game two, they're in trouble. Do you believe that the, the league wants Nets and Lakers more than anything? Or can you see the Nets in the finals against the Western Conference team that could work with the NBA with ratings and what they want to accomplish here going into the finals? I mean, JT, Nate McMillan said it. I know he got fined for it, but he said it, and it's 100% true. The league, understandably, just doesn't want the coaches saying it. You want the biggest markets in on the biggest stages in your sport, if you're pro sports. And you have the Lakers and you have the Nets. I think that it satisfies you from a star perspective. You've got household names in the series. And you have a West Coast team and you have an East Coast team. And I think that's, that's something that people in the league office would be satisfied with. And so that, to me, if the Lakers go down 2-0 and Phoenix comes out, you know, it's a great story for the basketball fan, for the person that's already paying attention. But you're going to lose some of the casual fans that might have tuned in if it was LeBron against Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden. Uh, you're going to lose out on that casual fan in that finals matchup. Good to talk to you and really respect your work. Look forward to talking to you deeper in the playoffs. Thanks so much for the time. JT, the feeling is mutual, my friend. Always great speaking with you. Yeah, great catching up with you, Ian. Really good NBA insider as the NBA's got a big night tonight. I mean, Lakers and Clippers, Lakers, if they lose this game, they're done. They're not coming back and winning four out of five. They can win this game and win the series in six or seven. I'm not debating that issue. If they go down 0-2 and don't get Anthony Davis going, they're a seven seed. They're toast. Big night tonight. The biggest story in sports tonight is going to be the Lakers, and can they survive this game? And if I'm Phoenix and those fans, you got to go for the kill shot on this team. I hope the Lakers are around. My son's a Laker fan. It's good for the radio show. And we got LeBron hanging around for a couple of more months. Not weeks, months. So I'm not looking forward to the Lakers getting eliminated quickly, but I think they're in trouble. I was brought to you by Bell Solar, an amazing company you can trust. Bell Solar is based here in Vegas. Average homeowners who choose solar save more than $35,000 over 20 years. It's a real number. Plus, the government pays 26% of your system through tax credits, and you can qualify for no payments for six months. Call now to see how much you can save, plus they're hiring. So I got a company that could save you a lot of money, the best in town, and they're hiring. If you're looking for someone, maybe I don't know why more people are looking for jobs. That's a different topic for a different show. Go work for Bell Solar. You'll thank me, 702-979-1277. That's 702-979-1277. Bobby claims... And he's true. He produces a show. We have our 25-year anniversary show on Thursday. Uh, Monday is my 25-year anniversary in all the radio. So we're going to do that and try to knock that out on Thursday. Bobby was with me when I did my first ever national show, Memorial Day, 1996, midnight to 5 a.m., the JT the Brick Brick House 
on Sports Fan Radio Network. That is a true story. And we're not gonna we're not gonna replicate what those shows sounded like. I hope some of those tapes were burned. But 25 years later, we're now on Raider Nation Radio and Mad Dog at Night. Have a great night, everybody. Please support our partners. They're the reason we have a radio show. Got a lot of good sound coming up from my Mike Mayock sit-down. Hopefully we have that tomorrow and the next day. And we'll keep it here and keep you humming along in the Raider Nation. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.